afternoon with Dennis Fithian on Detroit Sports. Ready to get things underway. Podcast number 32. Now we'll jump right in. Head out to Cali. Bring in a man. A Michigan man who had a stop at the ticket in Detroit. Now is out in California working with, working on Fox Sports Radio. It's Martin Weiss. Martin, how are you? Dennis, man, uh, can't complain at all, man. Who's got the time? Life is good. Well, you know? how yeah. are you? <laughs> I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right in these, uh, you know, this this moment in, in history and time with with so much going on. And you know, I find your life story interesting. I, I've talked about it on the radio before, and you know, the different places you've lived. But you know, with everything going on, I and we'll get to we'll get to you and in your your backstory. But I wonder where you are with uh, just this weekend, really this week, when it comes down to the latest with COVID, I think we'll start there. You know, lots of athletes are testing positive, but you know, things we're looking, you know, we're, we're looking around the bend here and, you know, talking about the Orlando bubble, the NHL, you know, golf's going, NASCAR, different things. And yet, you know, there seems to be a growing sentiment. I don't know, like of like, Hey, these guys are, are young. They're healthy. They're in great shape. Uh, they're in great shape. If they get this, they can just shake it off. I, I wonder how you're feeling about it. Uh, I think that's very convenient for everybody else to say. Yeah. yeah, you know, they could just shake it off if they get it right. I mean, I know personally, I'm 30 years old with no pre-existing conditions, but I'm not necessarily jumping to leave the house right now. Um, yeah, no, I, when it comes to that, in terms of players not wanting to I do think that there's probably a way to, to go and self-quarantine and isolate in the bubble and so on and so forth. But I can't necessarily begrudge anybody for not wanting to do so. And honestly, because in part, then it's not just the NBA, but everywhere. I feel like everywhere, nobody has a plan of what to do for this type of, for this type of thing. Everywhere has different social, like everywhere is like six feet, wash your hands. But everyone is a little different tweak on it. Some people say you can wear a mask. Some people don't wear a mask. Some people are not wearing masks because it's like some type of rebellion against the state, like, like, if everybody was following all of the rules and then it was like, okay, then I, I would feel a little bit more, I'd be more confident if I was an NBA player. But, like, I've been watching the news. Like, I just see how it all goes, and I can completely understand why players would not want to play for health reasons and for safety reasons. Yeah, I get that, too. I mean, we, we don't really. I mean, this is a this is a new disease. We don't really know about the the long-term effects. Uh, I get some of those stats. There's a lot of people that have, have come out, and they're saying, look, you know, if you're, if you're under 20, if you're under 30, you know, this is a little bump of the road. Like, yeah, you'll get it. You're not going to die. Uh, you'll be okay. And, and that's a lot of the justification that's being used. Like, hey, you know, these guys are going to get it. It's better to get it now than, you know, than, than getting it in the fall. It's like, uh, okay. I mean, I, I see that side. Like, I, I get that. Like, it doesn't even feel like I'm almost 50. It doesn't feel like it would be a death sentence to me, but – I'm not running out there and, you know, thinking like, uh, yeah, well, let me go ahead and get this and, you know, get it out of the way or something like that. That's that's not how I'm well, thinking at all. For me, the reality of the situation is there's a long bridge to cross from. You're going to be okay to it's not going to kill you. Like, there's like <laughs> I, I'm perfectly healthy right now. And, like, there's a long way to go from, like, me being dead from where I'm at right now. But I don't want to go that road at all. Like, these, <laughs> these athletes are in the best shape of their lives. 
why would they want to risk that at all? Like people were, oh, you know, it won't kill you. It's like, well, it it might hurt you a little bit, and I don't want that either. No, and if you're if you're sitting in a great spot, which if you've made the NBA, most of these guys are, and they're looking at it now. I could get, you know, maybe the you know the the Lakers and and the Clippers and the and the Bucks. I mean, those three teams are all thinking championship, but the rest of those those teams, I I could see where these guys would be just like, you know what. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna, uh, you know, take a pass and and see what happens after a couple months. You know, I know that you were flying. I say recently. I just remember, just as I'm talking with you here, seeing a picture on your timeline. It looked like you were sitting in a in a pretty nice seat in a, in an airplane. Uh, that how recent right. was that? I flew the weekend before the world shut down. I was on a. I was I was on an airplane on March. What is it? I think it was March 6th, and then back again on March 9th, I flew to Detroit. And uh, that was like the last, that was the very, Dennis, I'll tell you, I was in Detroit, and I saw like plane tickets were going crazy, and I was over there. I remember, I remember sitting in my friend's basement thinking, dang, maybe I should go to the store and buy a mask before I, uh, isn't that a crazy thought to think now? But like at the time, I was like, maybe I should go try to buy a mask before I go on this plane and I did I didn't end up doing it or anything like that I didn't end up you know going straight through which now sounds insane but you know March 6th was an entirely different world but uh yeah, <laughs> yeah 3 311 right that's when it, it when it all happened with the jazz and uh you know the next day they they really did shut everything down I mean that was it so you were like one of the the last ones to fly listen, listen I uh was walking through the airport on what I had just landed back in Los Angeles on March I think it was uh, March 9th, and I saw that tickets to Cancun were like 150 bucks net for the next weekend. And I had the next, I had like Monday off. I bought two tickets to Cancun, and then like, and then but just as the days went on, and like more and more and more, it was like, oh, I can't go, I can't go. And then it ended up that the town that I would have gone to, like around Cancun, it shut down like midnight of the day I would have left if I had gone. So like I would have been playing it way too close to the back. I was playing it way too close to uh, try to, uh, you know, you don't get stuck in a foreign country. No, you don't. I mean, there's a, there's a part about it. Like, Hey, stuck in Cancun for a couple months. I mean, that might be good for a couple of days, but yeah. Yeah. A couple of days is, <laughs> is, is one thing, but like, you know, we're talking about this is before St. Patrick's day and it's almost the 4th of July. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I remember working on the the night of of uh, three eleven, and you know the the jazz officials running out there. Rudy Gobert, you know, testing positive. They don't say it, but they're like, uh, the game is canceled because of uh, precautionary reasons. And then one thing that I don't know, I don't I don't hear a lot of people talk about it, but the Big Ten was opening up their their first round that night, and Fred Hoiberg, uh, the mayor was coaching for Nebraska, and like you know we we had heard about coronavirus and everything else, but. I'm up there like during a break and, and watching the game and I, I turn, I turn the, the volume on and they're like, Fred Hoiberg is visibly sick on the sideline and doubled over. And the color analyst was like, wow, he was seemed perfectly healthy at the start of the game. And I'm like, what's going on? Like Fred Hoiberg's right. just going to get sick right in the middle of the game. And I thought, and then, uh, you know, here's go bear. And I'm like, wow, how bad is this? I mean, it wasn't, it was just that first, like that initial shock. I'll, I'll never forget that. I mean, I remember because 
So, in <laughs> an odd turn of events, I was telling myself I wasn't going to watch basketball that day because then it's, I, I picked up a, a habit. I now gamble on sports. Um, and I had gone through, a, I had gone through like, like three days in a row where I was just getting hammered. I was just getting killed. So I was like, you know what? Nope. March 11th, I'm going to regroup. I'm going to, uh, you know, shake it off. I'm going to watch a movie. You know, just, you know, get back in the group. Man, I'm sitting there. I see on Twitter, every, I see that video of Mark Cuban seeing on his phone that the NBA is canceled. I was like, wait a minute, NBA is canceled? And I just remember I, I flipped on Hawks Net because I was like, they're, if, this, if, they're, if, if they're shutting down, if, they're, if this is true, who knows when it's coming back? Well, I've got to watch this basketball. And then, like, when I remember because, so the Big East tournament was on FS1. And that was, like, the last thing to be, and that's where I work, obviously. Yeah. And that was the last thing to, like, kind of, like, the last live event to happen, almost in the United States, was the Big East tournament. They played the first half of that, of, uh, Big East of Big Ten. No, I'm Big East. Rutgers was playing. I, I think it you're right. Big East, right. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the Big East was, and they they only played till halftime, right? I think that's yeah. Right. They played. Look, I'm I'm getting it confused because it was in Madison Square Garden. It was in Madison Square Garden. That's what it was. So it was the Big East tournament. But they started it and they played like the first half. And I remember because I was thinking about jumping on the second half line because I was like, this is the last thing that's ever going to play, and it got canceled. And then, you know, they had to rush and put Colin Cowherd's show back on the air. <laughs> like, like it was a rain delay at, at the ticket. You know, you got to rush and put the talent, just has to run back in there and be like, right. all right, we've got the phone line. Like, it's just the, one, of the, one of the more surreal things I'd ever, you know, I wasn't really a part of it, but I kind of saw it from the side. You know, I was sitting in, at work watching people kind of run around and figure that out. So what's the California like right now? Like, you know, Michigan, you, if you go into a, like say a grocery store, you're supposed to wear a mask. I drove down last week to Florida to pick up my mom from St. Augustine. And so, you know, on the way back, uh, you know, stopping at the different, uh, you know, gas stations and, and rest stops, you know, 10% of the people maybe look like they were, you know, wearing masks or attempting like to get out of your way. Uh, but in Michigan, you know, it, it's, you're supposed to do that. What's it like in California? Uh, California, it's everywhere I've been. It's so far, I've been pretty vigilant, like pretty vigilant about you know. Because you know what, Dennis, we had it early, and like we like California, and New York, were early, and like you could kind of like when coronavirus was shutting down the NBA, it also shut down Los Angeles like the same day. So like we we all like I like I remember walking around the office like on March uh, well, I want to say it was the day after I think the NBA shut down on Thursday and it was March 12th and if the NBA shut down on March 11th and the next day was March 12th obviously that's how calendars work but if uh, <laughs> but we were sitting there and I remember looking around and the way that and just the way that our bosses were talking to us and the way that they were telling us like hey. Uh, after you leave, make sure you, anything you need for a while, take home, blah, blah, blah. And I remember seeing the lines in the stores, and I was like, man, I'm about to go get, get me some toilet paper and disinfectant wipes from in here because we ain't coming back here for a long time. And sure enough, I I just went back to the office last week so or two weeks ago. So I say, like, out here, 
with all the production and everything, like pe- people's jobs shut down super early. And also the other thing that really benefited us was the weather. Like California may have like 60 days of the year that are kind of gray. And we had like 20 of them throughout the first early part of this. So mm-hmm. everybody was kind of like, it, it, it was not hard to convince people to stay in the house. Um, but in terms of like the stores, everybody's got masks, like everybody, um, everybody's got masks, everybody's socially distancing. I'll say like, I realized when they started to like phase two, you could tell there was a significant amount of more people outside. And I was like, okay, I'm going back inside now. Like I went to Target just to go get a picture frame because I've being in the apartment, I've now spent probably what I would have spent on a vacation on decorations <laughs> since I've been in here for the last, you know, what, three months. But uh, I went to Target to get a picture frame and you could feel how many more people were inside Target. If the, you know, How many more people were in the Target. In, like, the Target I go to is in a mall and the different stores were open. You could see it. Um, restaurants are now starting to open back up. And apparently, I saw on the news yesterday that like 55% of restaurants aren't following uh, coronavirus restrictions, which is a shocker, right? But but again, that's what I, goes back to earlier. Nobody has a plan with this. Nobody was ready for this. And nobody is prepared for it. So that's why I'm going to stay in the house. What'd you put in the picture? <laughs> What'd you put in the picture frame? Oh, it is a, uh, it's a picture of Jordan over Russell. And it's black and white, but the only thing that's in color is the scoreboard, the ball, and Jordan in the red and black Bulls jersey, and, and uh, everything else is black and white. So it's, you see all the fans and all the players on the court and all that. So it's it's pretty cool. I've, uh, I've added that. I added uh, – I had three big maps in the back of my apartment here one is of detroit one los angeles and one new orleans the three places mm-hmm. where i spent most of the time in my life and that's kind of like the back area i got a little bar in the corner over here it has the manly guide to cocktails above it just in case anybody needs some some direction there uh yeah got some new orleans like street art down here doing pretty well over here dennis yeah you know, you know, that's... Here, it's not quite a bad it's not quite a College bachelor pad, you know. Yeah, well, you know, th- thirty. You know, you you take that turn. You start, um, you know, it's a little bit different. You know how, what you, what you're looking at, but not much, not much different. You know, you're talking about the calendar earlier. I'm looking at it right now. We're taping this on Father's Day, and you know, tomorrow it'll have been a, a month since uh, George Floyd in, in Minneapolis. And I know, again, go back to your. Your your timeline, and uh, I know you, you you were monitoring the the, the protest out there, uh, and uh, you were continuing to, to work. Just what what was it like in in California? What's it been like almost uh, you know a month to the day? Uh, well, <laughs> my first reaction is they finally stopped letting off fireworks uh, yesterday for the first time since honestly since all that. I mean. And when I, I know that may sound flippant, but when I say they finally started letting off fireworks, and they've been letting off fireworks since like 11 o'clock in the morning until 2 o'clock in the morning for the past 40 days in a row. Like, it's like, it's, it's, it sounds like the 4th of July. Are you, I'm sure, I mean, you remember all those topics we used to at the ticket. 
of like, do you like fireworks? Yes or no? Right. I can just think of how many furious, furious people will be calling in talking about their dogs and that. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, I, so I say like for that part of it was I was sitting at home with really nothing to do. Um, in terms, I mean, obviously sports were gone. I'd watched every single documentary I could think of. Uh, and, you know, life was happening outside. Like, the world was seemingly falling apart. Um, and I was seeing all these just stories on the news of these people who were protesting. And then what seemed to me to be, like, two distinct different groups of people in terms of, like, the people who were protesting and then the people who were seemed like to be the type of people who were throwing rocks through buildings and rocks through stores and fighting with the police, right? Yeah. So I, uh, you know, I fancy myself a journalist, right? I'm going to grad school for journalism in the fall, like in the, in the fall, in 10 days. But uh, I'm just used to saying in the fall at this point. But, sure. you know, I, uh, I, feel like, I feel like it's a transferable skill. I mean, what do reporters, what do sportscasters do besides watch a game and then distill it and, and translate it and send it out to the and, and just send out commentary on it to the people, right? So I said, all right, you know, there's not much of a difference in that and going to watch this other type of event, commentate on it, distill it out to the people. And I just felt like, I mean, then it felt like, you know, not to be dramatic, but history was being made. Right down the street, might as well go see it. Yeah, no, I, I feel like this is a moment of history. It doesn't depend. It doesn't matter how long uh, you and I end up living. We're always going to look back at 2020. What we don't know with this part, with the civil unrest, with are, are we really? Is there going to be something of change here where we'll look back and say, you know what? Yeah, there were protests and and, and there was a Black Lives Matter movement and. People were saying a lot of the right things or, or talking about a lot of things uh, in, in the days and in weeks. And now we're just one month. Uh, the, the, you know, will we look back and say, yeah, there really was some change that comes that came from it. I, I don't well, know. I that. Uh, how do you know? Like, you well, don't know. I do think that there has been there has been some change that's already happened that will be lasting and long term. I think the big thing here is like, how will it sustain and grow? Um, like if you think about the civil rights movement in 1968, like it's undeniable that, uh, there were obviously advancements for minorities and black people in that period of time, undeniable, undeniable fact. But if you like there, how, how much happened, like how much happened without having to have massive civil unrest for that same type of progression. Right. So like eventually as the world returns back to some state of what, uh, of normalcy, how will this progression still, will this progression still occur? How will this progression still occur? That I think that'll be like the key to where, if this was a, I don't want to say permanent change, because I do think that society is now forever going to be different, but I think it just uh, addresses the degree to how different it will be. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I think, like you mentioned, you know, we're in you know, sports talk and, you know, like sometimes they call that the, the uh, toy department and everything else. But 
you know, with uh, when it comes down to athletes and, and whites and blacks and everything, you know, we uh, we're all on the you know the same page there. So it's a it's a good spot to to whether you know just in sports terms, you know, kick things around and keeping those conversations uh, keeping those conversations going. You know, I, I, I you know I'm from Detroit here, with, grew up in the city. You know, Dennis, real quick, yeah, to, to your point about the toy department. You know, I always think that that bugs me a little bit because I actually wrote about this for while I was getting into grad school. One of the things that I had to write, you know, one of those uh, essays or, or, or whatever, whatever you call it. But like, if you go back and look prior to social media and even after social media, so many social movements in our in our society, in our, in our country started with sports. Like, if you go back and look at, at the at the picture of, uh, like, if you go back and look at the uh, Jesse Owens, that was 1942, where, you know, he, he or, I'm sorry, yeah, Jesse Owens, 1942. That's before, that's during World War II as a black man representing the United States and, and going crazy and, and winning medals and, like, changing the world in a way, you know? Or, like... Uh, I'm with you uh, on that. And in 68, you know, the two Jackie guys... Robinson and, yeah, John Carlos and Tommy Smith, exactly. Right, right. right. Stepped to the podium in Mexico City, right? Yep. I mean, I mean, it just I'll put it like this. In this piece that I'm working on, the reason why we had to delay this call, and I appreciate you taking the time and the patience. But like, I'm if the NFL listened to Colin Kaepernick in 2016, it stands to reason we're looking at a different world right now, right? As opposed to all of this stuff that's happening. Like Colin, like it's so it's like I. So I just I always push back. I think that sports are in, like for whatever reason. Our society has placed this incredible importance to these games that, in the grand scheme of things, have no importance at all, right? Whether or not the Lions win or lose, the world is still going to spin, as we've seen, right? <laughs> so, like, in the grand scheme of these, in the grand scheme of it, sports shouldn't matter. But for whatever reason, it absolutely, unequivocally does. And so, I just, like, on a day to day, like, should Scherzer have pitched seven innings or should he have pitched the whole nine? That doesn't matter. But, like, the vehicle of sports has to exist because it gives it just gives our country an opportunity to advance socially. And that's why I just always push back on people who say, like, stick to sports. It's like, no, 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 bro. This is where – this is where – excuse me, I was about to say – I was about to cut. Like, this is where it happens. Like, this is where some of these things start to occur. Some of these conversations start to happen. Like. You know, the conversation in our country around mental health started to, I don't want to say it started to advance, but like Kevin Love going out there and saying like, yo, I had trouble being LeBron's teammate and it affected me mentally. That opened the door for a mental health conversation to kind of change for athletes in general. So, our, and just people in general. So I just, I don't, I don't know. Let me, uh, let me, uh, let me. One, two, there's my soapbox. I'm stepped off it. No, but. I think I think it's a good point. You know, the, the thing with uh, with Kaepernick, you're right. If if people would have listened more, uh, we could be so much further uh, ahead now. But I've already seen, and I, I see with um, whether it was Roger Goodell and whether he was just uh, you know getting the feel for the room and, and doing what he did. You know, I'm gonna take him at his at his word right here. Uh, it definitely seems like you know the different leagues are taking a different approach, and and a lot of the players we haven't heard from the owners. But I, I see the, I already see a little bit of the. I don't know if it's pushback, but I see people in in, in Twitter's. 
I don't know if social media is the, it's not the best, but you know, you get a feel sometimes for just where people are at. And there's a lot of like, um, let's just get back to normal where they're a little tired of like, uh, what are we talking about? Pancake syrup. And, you know, are we going to take every street and rename every county? And I know that's like a fallacy. Like, you know, no, we're, we're, we're talking about things one thing at a time and we're going through it. It doesn't mean every single thing has to, maybe it will, but that's always a, one of those fallacies that people go to everything. Let's dynamite, uh, you know, every, every, you know, take everything down. Uh, and, and we don't know, like if you start looking, but I, I, don't, I find that people don't look piece by piece to every single one of these, whether, you know, you might think, yeah, that's just a harmless image. But if you look into the history, like in some of these brands, they do have, despicable past. You know, I wanted to ask you, you know, to that point, I just found this out this week. It's amazing how many different things I found out over the last month. Like, um, uh, I, I, I did not know about race riots, uh, in, in, in Tulsa. I didn't know about Juneteenth. Uh, and you know, the one thing I didn't know that I just found out this week and it, and it goes right, to, you know, to you, Martin in new Orleans, like the saints, the, what's that thing called? The, the fleur de lire that's on their helmet. Yeah, Fleur de Lee. Yeah, Fleur de Lee. I, I, I just reading the story. It was Facebook, but looking through the, it's like a, you know, back in the day that you know the that when there would be the plantation owner would capture as a slave that ran away. Like that was a brand that they were oh, yeah. that they were using. I didn't know that, and I was thinking, well, you know what? If there was really. Um, of uh, a, a, a groundswell, or if there were people that said, "Look, this is this is a despicable part of our past." Do you think we could do something about that? People would be like, "It's football. That's the Saints." You well, know, see, like, see, part of it is so. So to the point about so I have I have two points, and don't let me lose the first one. The whole point is like how over racism overall in the in, in in the United States. That's point number one. Um, but the second one is about the Florida Lee in general. So like. You can have symbols like like the Florida Lee now has been reappropriated to be like a symbol of pride for New Orleans. Like if you go to New Orleans, it's literally it's a part of New Orleans architecture. It's on every single building. It's everywhere you go. It's, it's a, it was a it was a no brainer for it to be the Saints logo. Um, but very much in the same way that the swastika at one point was a symbol of peace somewhere. I can't. I'm now I'm forgetting, but I believe like in Switzerland maybe, or maybe Japan, one of the two, but it was, uh, it was a symbol of peace that meant like symbol of peace and prosperity and wealth and so on and so forth. And the Nazis took it and repurposed it and boom, just completely changed the meaning of it. Or like the, uh, the, the, there's a group called the Detroit right wing, which is like this big, like paramilitary, um, conservative, uh, group that they really became popular in Charlottesville. Well, if you look, the reason why they became popular in those Charlottesville protests around uh, is because it, they were wearing like red, what looked like Red Wings clothing. Mm. And they would, but they changed the spokes in the winged wheel to make them look like swastika. So, like, so the deal is basically with symbols and things like that, I think it's important to, like, a symbol is not necessarily a statue, right? A statue commemorates a man. So they build a statue of Dennis Pithy and it commemorates all what you've done, both good and bad, right? But like a symbol can go necessarily change and rotate and necessarily change meaning as to what it's being used for. Like, like, like for the longest time, it used to just mean 
a-okay to put your finger in a circle and hold up three fingers. Now it's like this white power deal, right? Because it, somebody hijacked the meaning of that symbol. And I think you can do that either way, either or both ways, especially if it's like, if your intent is pure, right? If you really, truly take the, if you really, truly mean to take that symbol and change it to some something hateful, like they do with the Red Wings deal, like, I think they really meant to do that and they really changed the meaning of it. I think they have the same thing on the opposite uh, in New Orleans. Um, now, in terms of like things like Juneteenth and Tulsa and so on and so forth, like the thing that I feel like a lot of white people are starting to realize in this period in time is that <clears throat> like racism is a part of the foundation of how this country was built, right? So inherently, all of the all of the things built from this country are also racist, right? Now, a lot of people like may, may jump out and say, like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not racist. I'm not this. I'm not that. And, and, the, the, and the reality of the situation is, is, like, just like there's a long line to cross between, like, I'm going to be okay and it's not going to kill you for the coronavirus, there's a long line of, like, like you can accidentally be racist and, un, 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 you know what I'm saying, all those other things. Like, so, like, when you have, like, the, like, let me think of it. Like, if you think about school, right, for example, you're not going to learn about school. You're not going to learn about Juneteenth or Tulsa if you go to your typical American public school or even your, your top private school because, quote, unquote, like, history was written by the winners, right? So, like, those things never happen. But, like, that inherently is, like, racist, right? Because it doesn't show the history of the United States. Right, if you if you're trying to take a history class, like these things occurred, there's no doubt about it. It's no, just, they didn't do a good job. I mean, over they didn't do a yeah. good job. There was just a a few mentions of you know of, of some different figures, but 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 not much. I'm with you on you, that. You know, I, one thing I thought about recently because I didn't learn about any of these things in school either, right? But one thing I thought about that I found interesting was, okay, so every year you learn. Like, let's say you're in high school, right? You take algebra one and sophomore, you take algebra two and whatever, right? Or there you take, like, you know, U.S. history, then you take world history, then you take, you know, ancient Greek history or whatever. So, like, every time you, you go older and you graduate to a new grade or you go on to a new grade, you get a deeper level of understanding of whatever topic that you're supposed to be studying, right? Except we never do, we never ever did that with black history. It's always the same. Uh, and I, these are just things that I've started to observe as I've gotten older and realized how I learned and how I was taught as a kid. We never did that. We, like, it was always the same. Like, okay, Rosa Parks, Bus Boycott, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, NAACP. Right? Like, that's kind of like Selma Bus Boycott. You know I mean? Sel uh, uh, Selma. And March on Washington. Yeah, I would I throw, I'll, I'd throw in, you know? Uh, you know, Harriet Tubman and maybe uh, Frederick uh, Douglas, right? Those there you go. Harriet Tubman, Frederick Douglas. Yep, yep. Just, just, just to round it all out. But, you know, just the fact that, you know, you can go back and boom, 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 just like that. It's like I would say something like Juneteenth is probably next level African-American black history, right? But uh, it's just it's something I just thought and I found interesting. It's something that. And, you know, really, one of the things that I thought about, too, uh, when it comes to that is because now that I am out here and I make a little bit more money uh, and I really am interested in traveling, I really like to travel. I've lived, as we said about the maps, I've lived in like every pretty much every corner of the country that you can find uh, for an extended period of time. 
And so, you know, I like to, I like to get around and I was actually, I have this week of work coming up, like in television, sometimes they just give us a week off, uh, just, just cause it's paid or whatever. You don't have to take vacation time. It's just like an extra built in week off. Nice. And so, yeah, I know the first time I heard of this dark week, I was like, Oh, can we do it again next week? <laughs> you know, but so they, uh, so we're on a dark week right now. And so the first time, you know, obviously not traveling anywhere now because of Corona, but I was like, I'm gotta, I gotta go somewhere. Even if I just go somewhere by myself, I gotta go somewhere. And I was on Expedia and I was clicking around and uh, they have this site map where you can see like different prices for different places. And I realized I was looking at all these European flights and I didn't look at Africa flights one time, not one time. And I'm looking around and I'm looking at Europe and I'm looking at South Africa and I'm looking at South America. And then ended up going to South I ended up going to Mexico uh, for my first solo trip. But it made me think, like, why didn't I ever look at these Africa flights? And the reason being is because my, uh, my impetus to travel was I wanted to go to the places that I learned about. I wanted to go about the places that I knew more about. And to go find and, and be on the ground floor and kind of see more and know more. And, and then it kind of like really kind of put a sour taste in my mouth. And I realized, like, yo, I don't know any African history I, at the time, you know, and I then had to like, but these are things that like, you got to go out and get on your own. Um, but again, that kind of like, it's by design. Like it's, it's, it's by design. I'm not saying that you intentionally did not know what Juneteenth was or did intentionally did not know no. about what happened in Tulsa, but it's by design that you weren't given that information. No, no, that uh, that's making sense. I, I hear you on that. Now, we've mentioned New Orleans. We haven't mentioned uh, Michigan, where I got to know you, and you're out there in L.A. I find your story interesting. You you uh, you were born in Louisiana, around New Orleans, and then you stayed there before making the, the move north. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah, so I was, uh, born in, I was born in New Orleans, and I went to school in the city. But I lived in a small town uh, called Mandeville, which is about 35, 45 minutes north. If you ever look at a map of New Orleans, you'll notice to the north there's a big-ass uh, big lake, the bridge that goes across it. I lived across that bridge, called, and it uh, hell, at least uh, as of 2010, it's the longest non-suspension bridge in the country. Mm. So there you go. Fun fact. I think 24 miles, 25 miles. So there you have it. Just in case you're ever on Final Jeopardy. Um, but yeah, so I lived there, went to school in the city. So I had a pretty interesting upbringing in that, like, I lived around 99% white people um, and then went to school. When a pretty, and I went to school with majority white kids, but like, I played a lot of sports. And I went to school with a lot of white kids, but there was definitely a lot of black pockets in that. Um, then, you know, Hurricane Katrina happens when I'm in the eighth, no, tripping, sorry, I'm in the 10th grade. And so then after that, you know, everything changes, the whole world switches up. And I moved to Michigan, uh, where my dad is from, go to West Bloomfield High School for the remainder of high school. Uh, after some contention between whether or not I was going to go to Tulane or University of Michigan, I pop up at U of M. So it's been pretty good four and a half, five years there. Then, then we met. That's yeah. the ticket. 
Did you move? That's how that did you move out of Louisiana because of Katrina? Like it affected your house or affected your neighborhood there? Well, the thing about something like that, it's like there's no way for it not to affect everything. Like that's a, and that's like that's kind of like one of the parallels that I think about now. It's like people who are like tripping about coronavirus or whatever. Like no, 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 coronavirus is going to change everything. Like everything is going to be different now. And that's just something that the faster people accept it, the faster it'll it'll be better for them. But like, because that's like when something like Katrina that affected everything. So like my my, my house in Louisiana was fine, right? It was I, I mean fine. And I mean there was some damage done to the roof, so on and so forth. But it was fine. But my dad's business, my dad's a lawyer by trade. His business is right across the street from the Superdome, right? Mm-hmm. So you have you have that in play. But then you also have just the fact that like, bro, like. We just had some apocalyptic, you know, event happen. No one is suing anybody. Like the world is not the same world that it used to be. Like, like if, like, like you, like you as a radio host, you have a certain utility in, in that in that in that moment. But like, you know, what is, if I remember correctly, wasn't your wife a teacher? So like, what is she teaching in in the middle of this? In the middle of this, there's no, there's no, like, the schools are shut down. The schools are six feet of water. There's no class going on, so now like so like so like all of these different things like the whole world, the whole city changes. Unless you have a certain job, you don't have any utility to like like there's no there's no need for a lawyer when there's no courtrooms, you know. No. So. No, what I always found that was interesting with you is that you know you, you we started working together and you know you're you you were done at Michigan. You know you're, you're starting out in radio. And, you know, if I was talking about Michigan, you know, so obsessed with, with football and, you know, it's like Michigan football. And for you, you started at Michigan. Was it the hoax first year or Rodriguez's first year? I forget. No, my, Dennis, the five years that I spent at the University of Michigan are the worst five years. I, I wouldn't did the math. It's the worst five-year stretch of Michigan football history. My first year was Rich Rodriguez's first year. Mm. I walked out. I remember walking out. I'll never forget walking out of that. St- I remember. I remember walking into that stadium because I didn't want to go to Michigan. So I remember walking into that stadium, thinking, "Okay, I can do it. I can do this because football matters here." Like that. That was. Excuse me. As long as football mattered, like in the way that it mattered, it was the only experience I'd ever been to that reminded me of anything close to Mardi Gras. And I was like, "If they do this for football, maybe I can get. Maybe I can stick with it." Right. So I go there. I remember watching the game with a buddy of mine, and I'm just like, man, this team stinks. <laughs> I'm like, just watching Michigan play. And I was like, they had talent on the field, but I'm just watching their execution. And I'm like, you know, college freshman at this time. I'm not necessarily nearly as sophisticated with my knowledge of the game at this point in time, but I can see what's not working. It's like, it's like I tell people all the time, but you don't have to be a pilot to tell a crash landing, right? Oh. And it's like, I, you know, and I'm sitting here looking, and I'm like, man, this is ugly. I remember walking out. Of, I remember walking out of the stadium, and people were like optimistic, like, "Man, it's okay, it's okay." One game down, one game down. Rich Rodriguez, blah blah blah. And I was like, "Man, this team's not going to win five games." And turn up, they did. Yeah, you know what? If they would have got, if Rodriguez would have been able to get Terrell Prior, he didn't, and he ended up. I forgot that was it. Nick something was the quarterback. I mean, Nick was, Sheridan. Yeah, Nick Sheridan. Yeah, it's just it was really Stephen Three. It was Stephen Three that first year. Yeah, Steve got up out of there, and he transferred to Arizona State. 
Yeah, it would have been different, like if it would have been uh, prior for Rodriguez. But it was interesting because, like on the other side, though, basketball ended up flourishing, and and really, it's been a basketball school. Like you know, in, in a lot of ways, if you look over the last. Uh, Oh, I have a Michigan basketball jersey. I don't have a Michigan football jersey. Because the thing about Michigan basketball, which was different, was like Michigan basketball was like it, it, they weren't supposed to be good. And they tried. They like, And they really I – don't, I don't mean to disparage any of the players there because that's my favorite era of Michigan basketball is like the Novaks and Douglas, the freaking – uh, uh, no, Jordan. Of course, I can't think of anybody. Jordan, Jordan Morgan. Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> um. Who uh, Matt Bogrich off the bench? <laughs> Matt Bogrich was like Beeline would always try to start him to start the year, and then Matt Bogrich would come on the bench. And remember those those are the guys like I'm sitting there at Geeks on a Thursday night. Matt Bogrich never smiles because they're next to me, right? So like because as I was a student at Michigan, they were doing the same thing. But uh, like that was like really my favorite era of Michigan basketball because it was obvious like in terms of other teams were more talented than them. But uh, I remember when they, they were got just crushed. grinding out wins. Remember when they got crushed by Blake Griffin in the tournament? Like that was just like that was sad. absolutely had no chance. Man, I tell you, man, I remember, I remember watching Kyrie Irving in college. Darius Morrison. I was, I was I'm pretty sure it was his last team in Michigan. Um, but Kyrie Irving played like 11 games at Duke, and one of them was in that 30 round of 32 against uh, Michigan and. Duke was the one seed, and Michigan was the eight, or Michigan was the nine, maybe. And it came down to like a Darius Morris, like runner. They ended up winning by like seven or eight, but the game really came down to a Darius Morris, like you know, he always did those floaters in the lane, and he missed the floater. Kyrie got the ball, and it was over after that. But I remember thinking, I was like, man, this team right here, like if they had gotten past Duke, they were going to go on a run. I was like, this team has got it, and, and then. All they did was just, you know, again, not to disparage Darius Morris because he was, I mean, honestly, Michigan legend. But, like, they just improved the point guard position. You don't think Darius Morris is a Michigan legend? I don't know. I wish he would have stayed. I mean, he went pro, and, I, you know, he, he could have stayed around for a little longer. I liked him. No, I liked yeah, his game. A, that's my thing about college guys is, like, you can only grade them for the time that they're there. Yeah, he was like, nice. It's not, like, you know what he was nice for the time that he was there. I said maybe Legend was a little bit much. I think of Michigan Legend yeah, like yeah. to me like I say like he wasn't like one of the best players ever. But I feel like if you're telling the story of Michigan basketball, you have to involve him in that group because it was like there was Novak and Douglas for a while. That was like the two guys who were really big, and then it was Morris and uh, and, and Jordan Morgan running like the pick and roll were really like kind of the bridging the gap. Until Trey Burke, and then and then they really started to get like almost they really started to get talent, but they really started to get some talent with Burke and Sawkins and, and Glenn Robinson the third and McGarry, and they started to get some of these guys who were, you know, guys that we see playing in the NBA today, right? Yeah, That's not fair, right? Fair and and it, you could trace it back to Darius Morris to to Burke and then Walton and all the way to you know to Xavier Simpson, like so there was a little bit of that, like the the line. Of, I think uh, yeah, I think yeah. I don't. I'm not trying to make it seem like. Darius Morris was like <laughs> a game changer, but I no, mean, he just, he well, plus it was your time. Hand, but, plus, it yeah. was your time too. So, you know, that's that is true. You know, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of uh, a bias. I mean, you were there, and uh, I did like him. I just wish you would have. I wish you would have stayed around. There's a lot of players uh, that I wish would have stayed around uh, one more year. That's always a a good topic, you know, to to go to. So, a couple couple quick hitters for you. So, I I know you like the Saints. 
were you interested in LSU? One of the, I mean, they were great. So I'd imagine when if you were spent so much time there, you'd still. I, honestly, honestly, interestingly enough, no, mm. uh, I was not a fan of LSU. I am now. Um, after I left Louisiana, but at the time, see Dennis, the thing about the thing about especially the New Orleans area is it's definitely Tiger Country. However, like I have a ton of friends that went to like Alabama, Florida, so on, so forth. So like you'll have like the it's very vocal in terms of like people who are not LSU fans. Right. And like, there's like, so like all these people are kind of like born into it though. Like, and I actually wrote about it before, uh, when I kind of came at University of Michigan for when they kind of like just established this hardball tradition. I wrote about it when I was at the ticket, but like, I wasn't born, I wasn't born into a school. So I was not a big LSU fan because my dad wasn't a big LSU fan. Like you know, sure. like if you look around, if you, if you drive down, if you drive down the street, you see like six, seven LSU flags in the neighborhood, of course. But then, like let's say there's fourteen houses on the other seven houses, there's other flags of other SEC schools, right? And so, like depending on whatever, depending on whose house I was at that weekend, I was a Georgia fan, or I was an LSU fan, or I was—I just remember watching SEC football. Did your dad not like and football? So, where, where, where'd your dad go? Oh, my dad went to HBCU in uh, Nashville called Fisk University, and then went to law school at Howard. I mean, we definitely watched football every day, like every night, every weekend. But but we just watched the best game, like whoever was playing. So like, you know, I remember watching the bluegrass, the excuse me, the bluegrass miracle. But like, I didn't have any like fandom attached to it, you know. But. uh but I'd say now I definitely qualify as like an LSU fan. In the, in the, in the, but I, I'm an LSU fan in the same way that I'm a Tigers fan. Like I really want them to do well, but like I'm not going to be uh, 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 a Detroit Tigers fan. Sure. Uh, I really I want them to do well, but I'm not like living and dying with the ins and outs. Like if, if it's a blowout, I'm probably flipping the channel either way. Like, you know, kind of like that deal. Like I'm, I'm a Saints fan in that. I'm a watch or a Michigan fan in that I'm watching every snap and like if if both of them lose on on Saturday and Sunday, like really don't reach out to me till Wednesday because I'm probably not not in the best mood. You're right about that. <laughs> I mean, I, I know that from uh, from being around you during football season when the Saints would would lose. So the, the Pelicans, you're, you're in on that. I would I would assume. I mean, you've got. I would. Uh, be. I mean, I'm in the same. Them. I'm definitely. I'm definitely kind of the same boat of that like i'm kind of like a passive fan but I, I am happy to see that they uh remain relevant and I, I i just feel like new orleans is like people do not give new orleans enough credit as a city in terms of being able to support multiple things like like the pelicans have never given new orleans a reason to be excited in its existence and ever since they've been trying to take that team away from new orleans and put it in seattle or put it wherever and it's like I don't see any reason why the Oak, like the way Oklahoma City treats the Thunder, I don't see any reason why it can't be the same with the Pelicans. It's just Oklahoma City, as soon as they came out, had three Hall of Famers, you know, coming back back to back. So I am very excited to see Zion, and I think that young Lakers core that they traded for for Anthony Davis can make some noise. And I think that maybe if the Pelicans did something like maybe won a playoff series. 
they have a ton of support in this city because New Orleans is the place that, like, they're not, like, New Orleans is the type of place that is going to support its own. It's just you got to give them a reason to. Sure. So I, so I was very happy to see them get Zion. And I was really, really happy to see them, to see David Griffin get the job as the GM because, I feel like Cleveland is a very much the same. Cleveland and New Orleans are very similar in that regard. Cleveland's obviously much bigger, but I mean, I was there my whole life. The Saints weren't was they were a terrible team until 2006. They were horrible. They were a laughing stock. They were up there with the Lions and the Browns. And then 2006 happened, and, they, and it was one. Mickey Loomis was the GM in 2003. Yeah, you know, like I, you know, he was the GM right before. The, it was right after they traded. He wasn't the guy who made the Ricky Williams all the draft picks trade, but he was the guy immediately preceding him, I believe, or immediately following him, uh, I believe. And so, like, it, it doesn't take much to turn around a franchise. Which I know people listening to this in Detroit are going to be like, ha ha ha. But I'm being honest. It's just you guys keep hiring the wrong guy. But it's so, like, to see David Griffin get that job and to know what he did in Cleveland and be able to, like, obviously he had LeBron, but being able to placate LeBron and surround LeBron, that makes me feel good about his future with Zion. Yeah, you know what? That's kind of uh, that's a sore spot when you mention the the Saints and they finally did it to the Lions because I, I started to roll my eyes there, too, because I, I used to say that, like, you know, the Saints, they had paper bags on their heads. I mean, they were terrible. I used to say the same I thing about the I was one of them. The I same, used to have paper bags on my head. The Rams were that way. Georgia Fontiero was the, the owner. They were a laughing stock. And so you'd be like, well, why not the Lions? And then the, the Saints, nobody was worse than them. But, you know, so we always – I don't know if we have a rallying cry right now <laughs> for the Detroit Lions. It's like we've got Stafford, and, you know, he had a good first half last year. That's what we got. Uh, and that's that's, that's about it. That's where we're at. And that's what we're hoping for is that, uh, you know, we're, we're hoping shooting for that ceiling of, uh, of nine and seven, which ironically wasn't good enough for Jim Caldwell, but probably will be for Bob Quinn and in Matt Patricia. So it's a, it's a strange. I'll tell dynamic. you what, that's one of the, I didn't understand it at the time. And I still don't understand it now. That was one of the most confusing firings of a coach that in the years I've spent covering the profession, the National Football League, that I've ever seen. It was watching, like, and like, I understand that Jim Caldwell wasn't like a big fiery guy, you know, and he kind of let that that pass interference deal in the in the end zone against Seattle kind of just go away, or whatever. But like. To me, it was just undeniable that he was just the best coach that the Lions had in the last twenty-five years. Well, he's the best like, coach in my just, lifetime. Uh, he was, and people always point to Wayne Fonts, but you know, you're not enough for Wayne Fonts. They had Barry, and they had really good players, but he was a a buffoon as a head coach. Even though they, you know, won their playoff games, so that's like cemented him in a lot of Lion fans' minds as like you know you know, this goat or something for for head coaches, but, you know, Caldwell. But, you know, at the end, it just – it did seem like it was time, although when you – you know, you go 9-7, and seven, it, you could also easily make a case that, you know, you, you could have given them another year to see where it was going. It's just like – they just seemed to lose that fire at the end, and they, you know, they were backing in, and they didn't do anything against Seattle in the playoffs. And, you know, but you, now you're like – the Caldwell years look like, you know – 
awesome, you know, when you look at what Patricia's done. So, you know, it's it's the Lions. We, yeah. we, it goes around and round like that. Well, we hope we don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if we we have sports or if we have the NBA or not. But you're in LA, and we we uh, you know we talked before the season. I mean, it was going to be all about the Clippers. It was going to be all about the Lakers. And you know, you're out there in, in baseball. If they have a baseball season. Uh, they've got a lot of things to figure out there, but you know, there's nothing like when you have a team that's that's actually good. And the Dodgers, man, they can't they can't have any more star power than than what they have right now. So, could be uh, it could be a nice summer uh, for you sports wise, but with you know the big time asterisk as uh, you know we might not have baseball next week and next month they might you know, cancel the uh, NBA season or, you know, and then the will, NFL, we might say, not have that either. So I will say all the people that I've been talking to and not to say that I'm super sourced or anything like that. Most of this is second, third hand information. I think I'm pretty, the NBA is going to play like, like even if players don't like, even if Kyrie, you know, says I'm not going to play. Like then Kyrie won't be there, but the NBA as a whole is going to play. And honestly, I just I would be shocked. I would be literally shocked if there was no NFL football this year. I'd be like, I know there's a realm of possibility where that can occur, but it's just really hard for me to 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 get around it, man. Like, like they, the NFL time and time again has shown that. It like I want to say it doesn't value the players, but does it, it, it doesn't value the players nearly to the extent that it probably should, right? And it just why would they change now? <laughs> like, I just can't imagine that it would just switch up. I'm, I I would really be shocked if the, I I would be shocked if there was no NFL football. Well, and I'm I, pretty I know sure they're going to be basketball. I, I know they're going to try, and there's so much money at stake, and people love it so much, like a you know hundred times more than all the other sports put together, and you know they want to see it, and I, you know what. I'm not buying that. You know, you you don't have the – you talk to Broussard once a week or once a month or something? I mean, that guy, that's all he's doing is hanging out on his phone and talking with people about what's happening no, in the league. That's what, that's, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. All my information is second and third hand. I'm not – I don't have oh, – okay. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the one hanging out on the phone, right? I'm, I'm talking to the people who are. So that's why I say, like, I'm not reporting anything. Yeah, I love I, I love Broussard, man. Yeah. I, I really do. I love Parker, too, but, you know, he's our guy. But uh, Broussard, right. man, uh, I love his passion and his approach. And I know you've been working with him. You, you were – you did – if you flipped here, you were undisputed working at you know, 3 in the morning, and now you're, like, working late at night with the odd couple. Is that how that's going? Oh, yeah, no. So I do uh, – I, I double dip. So I'm undisputed. Oh, double dip. Yeah, I'm undisputed early. And then I, I don't I actually don't do any actual production work on the odd couple. I only do, like, guest hosting and stuff like that. Nice. So I, I have a, my own segment on Thursday, just trolling or rolling. Six thirty, six thirty Pacific, nine thirty Eastern, and it's basically you know your basic hot or not in or out, uh, that type of deal. And then uh, every so often I come on and I'll do something like the hot seat where we go and debate topics or you know just stuff like that. I'm definitely I call myself the third wheel of the odd couple. I like it. Are you are you back in studios yet, or just no? Nah, actually, I, they they, they uh, no. So the production staff has been going in the whole time, 
but we've been staying home. Chris is in New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, so. they do a good job like that, being so far apart, being able to do a show. I thought the uh, I thought the All American Jenny Taft was just finally going in, just like maybe the last couple of days or something. But I could be wrong. Oh no, no, no! Undisputed, undisputed is back in studio. Oh, okay. Undisputed okay. is back in studio. Undisputed is back in studio, and I've been going back. I'm, I'm one of the three people of the production staff that has been going back in. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted so, to be like yeah, Gus Johnson been... and, and drop the uh, the All-American Jenny Taft's name. So there, <laughs> there it is. I, I had a chance to do it. I had my opening, and I just went I just went right to it. No, I hear you. Jenny, Jenny is awesome. I really um, – that's the one thing that I really like about working on Undisputed is all of the talent, you know, because, you know, in this business in general, like the people who are in front of the microphones or – you know, on camera, they're called talent versus everybody else or whatever. But all of my talent on Undisputed is like super hardworking, super dedicated. Like don't like don't call in sick. Don't get they don't get sick to call in sick type deal. You know. Yeah. And uh, you know that's why like that's why we randomly have built in weeks off because if they don't give them like if our bosses don't give them to our talent, then like they won't stop. And uh, and it's easy to get up every morning and go to work for those and go work and be a part of that, you know. Wow. Uh, knowing that, like, because I mean, just I mean, hell, some of these salaries are reported in the news. Like, you know, so I'm not I'm far from the highest earner in there, so I I don't need to be I don't I not to say I don't need to work hard, but these people in here who are making a whole lot a lot of money need to be in here working hard too, and then I can definitively say that my talent, they come through red every day. And it's like, so all I got to do, they make my job really easy to be a producer. And the producer job really to make the talent look good, really, at the end of the day. Well, I'll tell you, just looking from afar, you know, they always say, well, there's just, you know, at first it's mentors and then it's just being around, surrounding yourself with people that, whether they're you know just really talented go getters and just looking at the the names and people that you're associating with out there, I mean, and it just um, we, we always knew it in Detroit. I mean that you were you were a shooting star, you were on your way, and uh, you know it, you, it, it sounds like you couldn't be around, you know, just a a better uh, cast of uh, colleagues there. So, hey, uh, I appreciate you you stopping in and and doing this podcast with me. Oh yeah, man, not a problem, man. I'm. I'm- I was listening to episode thirty two. You've been you've been turning them out. Yeah, well, you know what? I, I, I'm just sitting up in a you know sitting up in a spare room and you know going after it. So, you know, I would like a few more things to happen. Like here I am doing like a a a a, a, a preview and then during and after of, of the Belmont, and I'm you know breaking it down like it was the Super Bowl last night. I mean, it was it's pretty wild. <laughs> right. Like, let's go here they go. Uh, Max player is going to lead them to the post. So, yeah, hopefully uh, a couple more things. Or I guess it's going to be you know you know breaking down three iron shots you know in golf or talking NASCAR. So, I got my fingers crossed. Uh, you know, we always say you know safe and healthy and you know. The hopeful, but it is a, it's an important time and a big time. We'll always remember this, uh, in 2020, that's for sure. We don't know how it's going to, uh, we don't know how it's, we're going to come out uh, of it, but we'll just keep. Yeah. This, this one's going to have a, uh, this won't be a page. It'll be a chapter in the history books for sure. There you go. Well, we'll leave it there. Thanks, Martin. Uh, appreciate it. All the best. And, uh, you know, we'll look forward to continuing, you know, seeing you and hearing you stay safe out there in, in California. 
All right, Dennis, same to you and you and yours. And happy, happy Father's Day, my friend. Oh, hey, man. I appreciate that. Take care. You too, buddy. See ya. There he is, Martin Weiss, joining me here on podcast number 32. He mentioned it. Not that. It was like a throwaway line at the beginning, and he's bringing it at the end, 32. Yeah, 32, and uh, getting towards the end of June here. First day of summer. All right, thanks for listening. That'll do it. I will talk with you more this week. And that's that. Everybody else out there, thanks for listening for so long. And stay safe and happy and healthy. And I'll talk with you soon.